This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hey, Micah Parsons, get a clue, will you? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joseph Fortenbaugh is a man that we are visiting with for these hours each and every day, and I'm excited to do so over the next few. Good morning, my friend. Do the Phillies do anything other than hit solo home runs? It's amazing. Like, is that it? Like, I, I sadly, as a Phillies fan, not sadly, but I don't get to catch all of these games. And some people will go nuts. You're not a true fan. Easy. I'm coaching T-ball. T-ball on the West Coast, or I should say T-ball in the Pacific time zone runs right up with these games. Yeah. So I try to keep track of them while I'm coaching. And last night we have our weekly practice and you're trying to corral a bunch of four-year-olds while also seeing what's happening. And every time you look down, it's an alert. Solo shot, Schwarber. Solo mm-hmm. shot, Trey Turner. Solo shot, Schwarber, in no particular order. It's like, all right. All right, Citizens Bank Park, like the home of the solo shots. The solo cup, the red solo cup, should be the new image of Citizens Bank Park. Oh, that's a good call. That's a very yeah. good call because they're calling it Red October. I live about 35 minutes outside of Philly. And if I have to hear one more person when I'm going to the supermarket say, Schwarby, it's enough. <laughs> he's hot right now. Hey, he's hot right now. He is. He is. And that city is in love. They are in absolute full bloom love, as Dave Gettleman would say, with that team as they continue to roll. We've got plenty to get to on the Phillies in just a little bit. It is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Want you to be a part of the program as always on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joseph, ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. I simply want to start with some sound from our friend Micah Parsons, and I don't even know why I'd call him our friend, but that's what he is for our purposes at the moment. This is Micah Parsons on his podcast regarding how teams get a pass when they lose, but no, 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 not the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't condone the bashing of Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys and have the same energy for the Eagles. We want the same energy for everybody because there's a whole bunch of bashing when it's Dak Prescott, but not the same when it's the Eagles. I got time today. A lot of people said the Browns defense was overhyped. I said the Browns are the real deal. Acho said this, which pissed me off. I'm not worried about the 49ers. They were missing Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. The Browns were missing Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb. They were missing them key factors before the game even started. So why is it that we are just scrubs and we're nobodies that don't deserve to be on the field and we're just all talk? But there's a hundred excuses for these other these other teams. If y'all just want to hate Cowboys Nation, just say y'all hate Cowboys Nation. I'm tired of people trashing my quarterback. I'm tired of people trashing my team. And that's why I had nothing to say to the media this week. Yeah, grow up. Grow up. Grow up, Micah Parsons. The second that you put that star on, you are treated at a different level. And if you're going to complain about it, complain to your owner about it, who has spent the last 30 years continuing to build up the legend of that franchise in every single way he can from a branding standpoint. God knows he hasn't done it from an actual football winning standpoint. You know why other teams get the benefit of the doubt and you don't? They win in the playoffs. That's a big part of it. But even more so, Joe, we have talked about this to no end. This team, for its entirety, the entirety of its existence, has been branded as America's team. 
So when you are not playing well, the responsibility that comes with it, you're going to draw more heat for that. Deal with it. Grow up. Get a clue. It's tough here. Tough situation for me because on one hand, would love to agree, not a Cowboy fan in the slightest, but as a Penn State guy, big fan of Micah Parsons. So I'm kind of trapped here one way or another. Um, you make a lot of great points. It's hard to argue. The, the problem for the Cowboys is that P- Parsons, I see where he's coming from. He wants to see equal treatment. The problem is you're not going to get equal treatment without equal production. The Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year. They won the NFC last year. They won the Super Bowl a few years ago. They've had a really good uh, 21st century, right? What was it we talked about before the show? Seven NFC championship games. It's only resulted in one Super Bowl, but there's a lot of success there. There's a lot of success. There's ups and downs. There's different coaches, but they've had a lot of success. They're coming off a successful season. They're 5-1 and one with one loss to the Jets. They kind of blew it at the end of the game. So be it. No one's going to overreact there. With the 49ers, they've had a lot of success over Kyle Shanahan. You know, they were in the Super Bowl not too long ago against Baltimore. Shanahan's there now. I think it's, what, three NFC Championship games he's been in, one Super Bowl. They've had a lot of success. It's one loss on the road at Cleveland. Dallas doesn't have any of that success in the postseason. Dallas spends a lot of money on its quarterback and doesn't get the results that the Niners get with Brock Purdy or that the Eagles get with Jalen Hurts. You know, these two things aren't equal. He wants an equal outcome, which is for everyone to be treated the same, but there aren't equal inputs. Dallas is not putting into the system what the Eagles and the 49ers are. They're, as a result, you're getting a different um, response from people. When you guys fall flat... People are going to jump on you. I mean, Micah, I love the fact that Micah is outspoken. I think he's a great personality. He's a great player on the field. I get a lot of entertainment out of him, and I love this riff he goes on because I see why he's standing up for his guy. But at the same time, you know, you're the same guy that came off that Giants game talking about how great your defense was. You know, looking back, the Giants kind of stink, and your defense got torn up by San Francisco. So it's not as if that unit is as great as was led to believe. So the best thing for Dallas is the is the thing that they're not capable of doing. Just Go easy, right? Yeah. Go easy. Stop talking. Just handle your business. Don't talk about how Dak can win you a Super Bowl because no one wants to hear that. Don't talk about how you're taking too much heat when you lose. Don't talk about anything. Just go about your business. Go out there and get it done. Like, take a look at Detroit just very quietly hammering everybody every week. People respect Detroit for that. Right. People are starting to fear Detroit a little bit. Dallas has always been and this is their biggest problem. Lots of talk. Big hat. No cattle. Yeah. To put it in Texas parlance. Yeah. I I think the thing that bothers me the most is that when it comes to that team in particular, there is an incredible fan base across this country. Yes. Who are jumping every time they get an opportunity to pump up that team. Chris Canty told me this and and has said this many, many times on the air. Life is good when you're a Dallas Cowboy. And he would know. He he was a Cowboy down there, and you don't pay for meals. You don't do anything. You You are Taylor Swift in Dallas when you are a Dallas Cowboy, the way you are treated as royalty. So when you're going to sit there and back up your quarterback, which I have no problem with, that's fine. You have to make sure it doesn't sound like you're whining. And this is this is Micah Parsons whining. I guarantee you the inducements that come with being a cowboy for Micah Parsons are not the same that they would be if he was playing for, I don't know, the Minnesota Vikings. If he was the defensive end for the 
Arizona Cardinals or a linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. He would not be getting this kind of heat. He would not be having a podcast that we're paying attention to and playing a clip from. All of this would be simply an aside. And that's why, like, if you're upset that you're catching so much heat, that's fine. But you got to understand what comes with the position that you're in and what your owner has done. I mean, they are the most valuable franchise in North American professional sports, correct? I mean, they're right there. What are they, $7 billion right now or $9 billion? I, I think, think it's, it's nine. 9 and it's yeah. $2 billion more than the next closest, which is New England, if the Forbes article I read recently is correct. Yeah. I mean, you're $2 to $3 billion worth, worth $2 to $3 billion more than the New York Yankees, for Pete's sake. Uh, so when you're Micah Parsons, and you are an electric talent, you are as amazing as it gets, and you are going to be the star on that level, stop complaining about what the pitfalls are that come with this. As many fans that are out there that are pumping you up, there are just as many ready to take you down. Yeah. Cowboy fans, like, there's no in-between. You either love the Cowboys or you hate the Cowboys, and that's just life. Yeah, and I think at the core of this, he is just trying to defend his quarterback, which they're going to need to do if they want to get him in the right mental spot to be able to compete deep into the postseason. There, but there's a difference. You know that. There's a difference between defending your quarterback and sounding like you're just complaining about how everybody else is treated better than you are. Absolutely. The, the, the problem for a lot of young people is they get caught in the middle of something right now where you're incentivized to talk, to be loud, to be brash. That's what social media is, right? The louder you are, the more outrageous you are, the more attention you get, the more followers you get, the more opportunity you have to make money and build a career. Look at uh, Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Talk, 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 talk. Those guys are fantastic. Like Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis talked up that fight in spectacular fashion. Spectacular fashion. They said some of the most heinous things back and forth to one another. And then you watch the fight. It's one of the worst fights you'll ever watch in your entire life. Absolutely terrible. Dennis was all talk and then delivered nothing. But he got a lot of followers out of it. Maybe he gets another opportunity. He made some money out of it. The guys who are the ones that are going to be able to steer clear of this, they're going to be able to limit the distractions, are the ones who just quietly go about their business. Look at the UFC guys like Kamaru Usman, right? Very quietly going about his business. Alexander Volkanovsky, they don't need to do a ton of talk. Jalen Hurts doesn't need to do a ton of talk. That, those are the guys. I love that. I love that. Just very quietly going about your business, staying focused, taking down the task at hand. It's rare in this day and age because you're not incentivized to be quiet. You're incentivized to be loud. The problem with being loud, you put the spotlight on yourself, you put a target on your back. And if you missed any of this, this clip will be up later on our social media channels of us ripping yeah. Micah Parsons <laughs> at Joe Fortenbaugh on Twitter, at Chris Carlin, at Carlin versus Joe. Please follow us. <laughs> We are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are just getting started at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Is Micah Parsons right, or does Micah Parsons need to grow up? Feel free to chime in on this. We'll get you involved in the program because you are the most important part of it. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We are presented, as I said, by Progressive Insurance. And there is one NFC team that is starting to get more and more love. But there's one thing about the Detroit Lions that has not been considered. One of us thinks it needs to be. It needs to be considered. That's next on ESPN Radio. 
This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. are the best team in the NFC. If not for an overtime loss to Seattle, they'd be unbeaten. I will say the reason why I like the Lions is because they feel battle-tested. I do think they are the NFC's best. You got Jared Goff as a league MVP candidate. They can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They're physical. They're rough riders. They got a chip on their shoulders. Got a coach that so supposedly embarrassed himself because he's talking about kneecaps being bitten. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you see they're willing to bite kneecaps for this man. Have we seen enough? Have we gotten enough? Have we gotten a good enough feel for not just the Lions, but really for Jared Goff to actually call him a legitimate MVP candidate? It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Do me a favor, will you, Joseph? What's that? Give me a taste of what the odds on MVP are right now, if you've got them there, uh, on where we stand now through six weeks of the season. Your current favorite, Miami quarterback Tua Tungavailoa at plus 350. That means a $100 wager would return $350 in profit. He is followed by Patrick Mahomes at plus 450. Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers is plus 700. Purdy was plus 550, but got bumped up after that loss on Sunday in Cleveland. He's followed by Josh Allen at 8-1, to Jalen Hurts at plus 850, and then Christian McCaffrey at 10-1. to so as I look at that, and and Jared Goff now sitting at eighteen to one, and he has moved up, as you alluded to here. I, I do believe he's a little too low on the list. I think at this point he needs to be in front of McCaffrey and Hurts. Now I I get it. This is just the betting uh, situation, but Jared Goff for me, and I think for a lot of people, is going to be fighting against perception more than anything else. Jared Goff has always been labeled as a mid-level quarterback. True? At best? For the most part, yes. Yeah. He was seen as a product of Sean McVay's system. Right. And Sean McVay couldn't wait to get rid of him 
So much so that to get the Lions to take his contract in the trade for Matthew Stafford, he had to give up two first-round picks in the process. Now, it worked out well because Sean Payton, uh, Sean McVay, excuse me, uh, won a Super Bowl. Now, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions last year for Goff. He's off to a really good start this year. But, Joe, even with the Lions at 5-1, and one, I can't bring myself yet to consider him a legitimate MVP candidate when I've got a few others out there that I would really look at first. Okay, so let's see if we can change your mind with the following rundown. Let's start with the market. One week ago, one week ago, Jared Goff was 30-1 to one to win this award. Right before last week's game, he dropped down to 22 to 1. And now, following what just happened with the win over Tampa Bay, he is now 18 to 1. Now, from a betting perspective, we're going to do a little class here. 18 to 1, when you convert it to a probability, implies 5.2%. That's what 18 to 1 is telling you. So, when you're making bets, this is what you want to do. You want to learn how to take these money lines, you want to learn how to take these odds and convert it to a percentage. And then you ask yourself the following question Do you believe Jared Goff has a better than 5.2% chance of winning the MVP award? If your answer is yes, I think it's closer to maybe 9%, you make that bet because you see value there. You're going to hear a lot of betting analysts around the world who have no idea what they're talking about throw the word value everywhere, not understanding what it means, right? This is value. If you see Jared Goff as maybe a guy who has a 9 or 10% chance, 18 to 1 is value because 18 to 1 means 5%. So that's where we are from an odds perspective. Now, when it comes to the MVP award, there are two very important criteria you have to be aware of. Number one, the position the individual plays. 15 of the last 16 NFL MVPs have been quarterbacks. The lone dissenter was Adrian Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings in 2012. So this is a quarterback-heavy award, as everyone knows. Offensive player of the year exists to reward someone outside of the quarterback position. In addition to being a quarterback, 13 of the last 14 MVPs have been a one or a two seed. That means you need to win a lot of games. Quarterbacks who win lots of games are the ones who win this award. So let's ask ourselves now, Jared Goff, is he a quarterback? Yes. Is he going to win a lot of games? You tell me. Currently 5-1 and one on the season with the second easiest schedule in the NFL the rest of the way out behind Atlanta. This is a team that, given Philadelphia's schedule, could find its way to a two-seed. So Goff could be a quarterback, or he is a quarterback, who sits on a two-seed. And statistically, right now, he's number three in the NFL in quarterback rating behind only Tua tunga and Brock Purdy. In addition to that, he's completing just under 70% of his passes with 11 TDs and three interceptions. He doesn't have an elite defense like Purdy does. Purdy's priced at, what, 7-1? to one? Mm-hmm. He's putting up numbers, but he also has a lot of help around him. Goff has help, too, but he doesn't have that Niner defense backing him up. So ultimately, between the upcoming schedule, what they've already produced, the position he plays, the rest of the NFC, and the stats he's put up, 5.2%. Do you think that's accurate for his MVP pricing? It feels a little light. It feels a little light. That's, that's what I said. Like, I could put him in front. I would vote for Jared Goff right now before I would vote for Christian McCaffrey. Agreed. Before I would vote for Josh Allen. And probably before I would vote for Brock Purdy right now. Um, I would still have Tua in front of him. 
I would still have Mahomes in front of him, and I would probably still have Jalen Hurts in front of him, even though he has not played his best so far. Hurts statistically is not having a good season. He, he's not. He, he's not. But I also know that team's not five and one without him. Correct. I'd agree with that as well. He so has been. See, it's almost like he's an example of you can't just look at the stats. Some guys you look exactly. at the stats and there's big numbers, but something's off. Then there's other guys where the numbers might not be great, but you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. I've seen this guy make a lot of big plays. Right. And Joe, I'm a big, big believer in the most valuable to his team's success when I am trying to determine who the MVP is. That's what it is to me. Valuable in terms of without that player, that team is absolutely lost. So I hate it when teams that are guys who are not on winning teams win the MVP in other sports. This now, everything that you just gave us, I love about the NFL. For the moment, even with that easy schedule in front of him, those numbers to me, are going to have to be eye-popping the rest of the way to really give him an opportunity. Because he is fighting against past perception. He is fighting against the story that continues to be Tua and how well he is playing, but also the fact that there have been so many doubters around him, right? So there's going to be a little sentiment there to vote him in front of a golf. And he's also fighting against the perception of Patrick Mahomes that you and I both know this has not been Patrick Mahomes' best season so far. No. It hasn't. But we also know that Patrick Mahomes is, speaking of you know, getting the benefit of the doubt, is always going to get the benefit of the doubt. I really think it's an uphill climb for Goff aside from his team's success. I feel like he has to go above and beyond here to get there. Okay, so we're sitting here and we're talking about that on August 17th, or excuse me, October 17th, and I think that's more than fair. Let's fast forward to the end of December, beginning of January. Let's say the Detroit Lions are 13-4 and four mm-hmm. at the end of December, 13-4 and four at the end of the regular season, and they secure the two seed over Philadelphia. We'll say San Francisco is the one seed, Philadelphia is the three seed, Detroit is the two seed, they're 13-4, and four. You have a scenario where golf continues on this trajectory with his numbers. So he's top three in quarterback rating and in several key categories. And on top of that, Tua, let's say he doesn't even win the division. Let's say the Bills win that division. And let's say Mahomes continues on the way that he has with a better defense and an offense that takes a step back. And let's remember, voter fatigue is very real. Voters don't just love going to the window every year voting for the same guy. Mm -hmm. They actively look for other individuals to vote for. It's one of the reasons why we haven't had a Heisman repeat winner since Archie Griffin in the mid-70s, right? Caleb Williams is going to be great, but people are going to hold everything against him that's negative because they're not going to want to vote for him again. There's opportunity to vote for someone else outside of Mahomes because people will have fatigue from that. So 13-4, and top three in quarterback rating, number two seed in the NFC, and the Dolphins don't win the AFC East. How do you feel about golf now? I, I feel like that's a lot of things that have to happen. For Jared Goff to win the MVP. I'm aware, but if they do happen, yes. then what are we talking no, about? No, I think it's a I think it's a very fair discussion. And I think he is absolutely right there. He will at that point in the year, he will absolutely be right there. But you're counting on the Dolphins who are having a an historic offensive season, really taking a big step back. Because and I granted the Bills are only a game in front of them. The, and with the tiebreaker, at no, the moment, Bills are behind or, him because uh, they Bills lost that second game. Excuse yeah. me, but they have the they have the tiebreaker, right? 
So Correct. at this point, um, the Dolphins, to me, would have to take a big step back. They and, would, but just I'm think, not counting on it. Let's just fast forward five, six days into the future. Miami loses this weekend at Philly. Golf and the Lions go to Baltimore and beat the Ravens. We're having a different conversation on Monday. That would be a marquee win on the Jared Goff resume for his MVP candidacy. Three-point dog at Baltimore. That's a big-time opponent. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get the take from one of our experts on this topic in just a moment. And speaking of Jalen Hurts, what is the biggest issue with the Eagles offense? We'll find out in moments on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Football Sunday on ESPN Radio. Jared Goff, he's the best quarterback in the NFC right now. The best. Jared Goff in the NFC North leading Detroit Lions head to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson in the AFC North leading Ravens. The Lions and Ravens. Coverage begins at noon Eastern with kickoff at 1 Eastern on select ESPN Radio stations. Gives us a great look at it each and every week. He's Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. He is joining us right now to discuss the Lions, Jared Goff, and the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot going on around the league. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Hawk, good to talk to you again. As always, we appreciate it every Wednesday at this time. So I'll make that statement, and I just want your genuine reaction to it. Not saying this is what I believe. This is just a statement. Jared Goff is the MVP of the league. Go. Uh, I don't hate it to be honest. He's playing the best football of any quarterback. And I think the thing that's impressed me most about Jared Goff is, you know, he's not chasing numbers. He has literally come into Detroit, especially this season, and he makes the plays that his team needs. And that's what you want out of your quarterback. He's playing football like a veteran. I know he's got the game manager tag, and I think that's been unfair because if you watch the Lions offense, he is the source. And when they need a play, he makes the play. You even look at what he's done on third down, like the efficiency that he's done there, that points to a player who has all the answers to the test. And again, Jared Goff is playing incredible football and probably the most complete football of any quarterback in the league right now. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. What's going on with Tua then? It, it, Tua is in front of him on everything, and that's a historic offense. I got to push back on that one. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at the, the talent around Tua. This isn't to say that Tua is successful because of his talent, but trust me, that helps. It's not the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's, right? 
So Tua, mm-hmm. what he's doing is also incredibly impressive. They just do it by committee. That's what the Dolphins, that's why they're so impressive. Because from a coaching staff, from receiver to quarterback to running back, they have an incredible nucleus that is going to make it really hard for teams to contend. Tua's playing incredible football. I'm just giving the nod a little bit to Jared Goff right now because of what he's had to deal with. I'm, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Amon Ross St. Brown was out, and the whole thing was, oh, they're just going to pound the football. They're not going to get much in the passing game. Jared Goff stepped up big, and so did those other receivers. Even this week, when the running game wasn't going, which is the, the, the foundation of their offense, Jared Goff responds with his best game of the, of the year. So that's what's been so impressive to me is that no matter the situation that has been thrown at the Lions offense and the Lions as a whole, they've kind of been consistent in their play. And they've been able to, like, it really is a next man up mentality. And it starts with Jared Goff. Hawk, the Eagles are five and one, you know, it, it, they're the defending NFC champs. And when you achieve to that level, obviously we're going to nitpick every little thing that goes South. We might overplay it, right? Like we see issues with a team like Minnesota. It doesn't really surprise us, but Philadelphia, something looks maybe a little bit off. Are we making too much of that? Or is there something wrong with the offense right now? No, it looks a little bit off. They're definitely out of sync. I think it's a, it's a combination of things. I think it's this newfound stardom that you talked about. Like they're, they're dealing with this hangover from almost winning the Super Bowl. You know, everybody's in commercials. Everybody has documentaries. Everybody wants to be the guy. And so I think they're still trying to find their rhythm and their identity as a team overall. But offensively with a new play caller, I think they're also trying to find out what that chemistry looks like as they get in the game. It does seem a little uh, disjointed at at times. It does seem like sometimes Jalen favors A.J. Brown, which, again, he's one of the best receivers and arguably the best receiver in the game. So it's hard to to argue that, but it's not looking the same as it was a year ago where things were a little bit more spread out, and that's when they were really firing at all cylinders. So until they get back to there, I think the criticism is fair. Now, do I think they will figure that out? Absolutely, I do. And I actually love the Julio Jones signing because it gives them that kind of veteran presence in that receiver room. Not to say they needed it, but A.J. Brown is 26 years old. He has a lot of respect. Julio Jones, Devonta Smith, as well as Jalen. And so now I feel like it kind of gives them this complete package. And Julio can kind of act as, uh, you know, a leader on that offense, at least as it pertains to the specialists, to say, hey, I've been through this. I've been through the Super Bowl, lost, and had to come back. Here's how you handle it, right? Because we're starting to see, again, just some, some personalities start to flare up in ways that we maybe weren't paying attention to previously. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. I want to follow up on something you talked about there for a second. What does it look like when a quarterback and a new offensive coordinator are trying to build chemistry and a rhythm together, even when they've worked together previously with Brian Johnson being the quarterback coach before this? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they have worked together. They obviously have a relationship. But it is different. It is a work in progress. It's like anybody who goes into a new job with new responsibilities Right, it, it it has a tendency sometimes to change the dynamic a little bit. So, all I'm saying is I think that they are finding what this new relationship and rhythm looks like because now the offensive coordinator's job is to you know run a system and a game plan that bodes well for the quarterback's skill set. I'm not to say he's not doing that, but if you're watching the game, it looks like there's a lot more put on the shoulders of Jalen Hurts, which is justifiable when you look at that contract. That's what that contract means. More of this stuff is going to be on you. 
That being said, there is like a rhythm and a tango to say, okay, well, here's what I know that you get uncomfortable doing. Here's where I feel like you are at your best. And here's how I set the holistic blueprint up throughout a game to make sure in the critical moments we have you in advantageous situations. Even when you talked about Tua, that's what Mike McDaniel does great. Tua is not a system quarterback. What Tua is, is an elite process and decision making. So, maker, so what Mike does is he puts the plays in the system in place that give Tua the opportunity to show that. No one is getting the ball out as fast as Tua. No one is more decisive than Tua, and they're not nearly as successful he is with that speed because that's what he does better than everybody else. Some quarterbacks have rocket arms. Some quarterbacks are extremely athletic. Some quarterbacks are incredible processors. And, again, Mike has built the offense around that skill set for Tua. That's what we're looking to see in Philadelphia. Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill, 814 yards through six games. Hawk, it's 135 yards per game. Like, he's looking like he could smash some NFL records this season. Dolphins averaging eight yards per play, which is absolutely unheard of. Is he the best non-quarterback in the NFL right now? Ooh, best non-quarterback in the NFL. Right now, from where I sit, absolutely. He is. And I, and I think um, the way that they're using him is also just like it's on a different level. I think I spoke about this before, but they use that offense, that motion that he does when he gets to a full-speed run before the snap of the ball while the other player is at a standstill is like it's revolutionary because it, it turns it into Canadian Football League football rules. And he's at a full-speed sprint. He's already one of the fastest, if not the fastest player in the league, while the guy who's guarding him is at a standstill. When you watch his film, it looks like it's sped up because – he is starting at a rate so much faster than everybody else, like a running 40. If I ran a 40-yard dash, I would have one time. If I had a running 40 and you started clocking at one point when I'm already in a full speed, it would be considerably faster. That's what they're doing for Tyreek Hill. And literally, there hasn't been a defensive backfield who has an answer for it. Great stuff, Hawk. Appreciate it. The insight as always. Thanks. Absolutely, guys. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst. That was that was really, really good stuff. Up next, some things just appear to be inevitable, and there's nothing worse than being on the other side of inevitable. We'll explain what we're talking about after I tell you about this. From our friends at Indeed, who once again have uh, requested that I specifically read this commercial. Not, not, not my friend, your friend. Right. It actually says not Joe on here. (laughs) They'd prefer Evan read it. Uh, Your small business, Joe, has a clear mission. What you need is the right people to execute on that vision. Indeed's end-to-end hiring solution makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. The moment you post a sponsored job, you'll get instantly matched with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can then conveniently schedule and conduct virtual interviews with applicants right from Indeed's hiring platform. Make the hiring process work for you. Log in. Get started today at Indeed.com slash credit. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. 
based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Carlin versus Joe right here on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance on Sirius XM Channel 80 as well. You know what's a good idea? When you lose game one and it's a madhouse at the opposition's ballpark, come out before game two and talk about how, yeah, it's good, but you know what? Our place will end up being better. That's what Tori Lovello did. Uh, it was about what we expected. Um, you know, to be honest with you, the, the final game against the Dodgers at Chase Field when it was rocking with 50,000 strong, um, I was proud of our fans. And it was about the same. It was about the same, uh, um, same intensity, same volume. Okay, I, I get taking care of your fans. All right, I, I get that, Joe. But what about the guy who's pitching in game two, coming out before game two and saying, you know, I don't know if anything could pass, you know, what we saw in the World Baseball Classic. Go back to the Korean series that you were talking about. Obviously, their fans are, they cheer a little bit differently than we do. Um, each offensive player that comes up to the plate, they have their own fight song. Um, so when it was the, the championship series, um, there was about 30,000 people in Seoul. About 15,000 of it at a time would be singing in unison um, for whatever hitter was up, and they don't stop until the next hitter comes up. Um, and then going into the WBC game, um, yeah, I think that I haven't obviously heard this place on the field, um, but I'd be very surprised if it, if it trumped that Venezuela game um, down in Miami. Uh, when Trey hit that grand slam, uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever experienced, uh, at least baseball-wise, I don't think I've ever experienced a atmosphere like that. Um, so I hope that, you know, this isn't louder than that. Yeah, Merrill Kelly on the Diamondbacks lose 10 nothing, Joe. <laughs> so it would appear, it would appear, and I, I think there's a lot to this, facing the Philadelphia Phillies in the postseason can be quite disorienting. And people will think, all right, where's he going with this? He's a Phillies fan. We're basically one week removed from the last Phillies opponent complaining about all types of extenuating circumstances, right? Travis Darno coming out, the sanctity of the clubhouse. How, how, how come, you know, you, you shouldn't have reported on that? Well, why was he upset? Because after they reported on it, the Phillies went out and smashed the Braves. Harper homered a couple times in that game. You call out Bryce Harper, it goes public. Darno said nothing. After the comments were made on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, he had all this time to talk about it. But then once they got to Citizens Bank Park and Harper went nuclear on him and the Phillies took control of the series, now all of a sudden there's, there's, there's something else to talk about. There's someone else at fault. You know, the sanctity of the clubhouse. It's disorienting playing this team. You know, yeah. you've been red hot, red hot. You ran through Milwaukee. You ran through the Dodgers. You're feeling yourself a little bit. You should be. And then you end up in Philadelphia – it's a different venue. It's a different crowd. Everyone's hitting home runs against you. They're blowing you out. 
you're saying things that just don't make a whole lot of sense. You're coming out talking, well, you know, these other stadiums are louder. Why would you say anything at this point? There's nothing to be said other than we're going to take it back to Arizona. We're going to try to find a way to even this series up. Road team hasn't won a game yet, right? That's what you should be talking about. But again, the disorienting nature of what the Phillies do to you and what their fans do to you is leading to a lot of these guys saying very interesting things other than we got to get back to basics. We got to try to figure out a way to even up this series. Uh, Joe, do you so you live uh, in Las Vegas? Correct. So it's it's a short jaunt, a little quick flight down to Phoenix. Correct. Yeah, I think it's about an hour, maybe a five hour drive. It's not too bad. Right, and you're you're a big Phillies fan. Correct. Uh, so I would think maybe they would interest you to go to Game Three to really see what a great atmosphere is like. It would almost scare me if the atmosphere is as daunting as they say. Why would someone like myself, a Phillies fan, want to wear those colors in the opponent's stadium? I I, yeah. I learned the hard way at the Meadowlands back in the day. You don't go in there rocking Eagle stuff. Giants fans are going to get at you, and I've seen it at the link. So why would I want to go to Arizona, Carlin, wearing my Phillies gear in a hostile environment like that? Well, if you wanted to um... – you'd probably guess that you had to lay out a few hundred bucks for a ticket, I would think. It's the NLCS, after all. Right. Uh, game three, just do yourself a favor. Lay off the Starbucks tomorrow. You can get in. $9. $9 for game three of the NLCS? Yeah. Uh, thank courtesy of our friends at Vivid Seats. I catch a niner in there. $9. Nine. The cheapest ticket for game six if necessary, at Citizens Bank Park is $319 for standing room only on Vivid Seats. I have been at Chase Field for Game 7 of the World Series against the Yankees in 2001. Ooh, I I remember that game. Yeah, I got news for you. It's not what we have going on in Philadelphia right now. It was great, and I like the Arizona fans very much. It's not this. And they're... The bigger issue here, Joe, for the Diamondbacks is, as opposed to pointing toward environments and downplaying and all that stuff, they are up against what appears to be inevitable. And there is nothing worse than being up against inevitable because that creeps into your mind when you realize the outcome is inevitable. The Diamondbacks are a great story. They had a great season and a great postseason run. They're certainly not out of it, but this is the maturation of a young ball club as they try to grow into a contender look at the Braves right you go back to 2018 Braves get to the playoffs after several years out I think they were out for four consecutive years they get in they go to the NLDS they lose three games to one of the Dodgers they come back the next year they lose in the NLDS 3-2 to the Cardinals they come back the next year they make it all the way to the NLCS they lose game seven to the Dodgers they come back the next year they win the World Series Sometimes it takes a little while and it takes a little experience to get over. That Phillies team in the late aughts that won a World Series, they needed to get into the playoffs and and get beat, I believe, rocked by the Colorado Rockies in the opening round before they figured out how to navigate the postseason. Similar with Houston before they became a juggernaut. 2015, they got into the playoffs for the first time since 2005. They lose the ALDS to the Royals three games to two. They miss the playoffs the following year. They win the World Series after that. Arizona has that kind of makeup. They're in. They're getting valuable experience right now, but they're not ready for the bright lights. They're not ready for prime time. They're going to learn from this, and they'll have an opportunity next year to bounce back even stronger. But for right now, just stay quiet and stay focused on the task at hand because you're in an 0-2 hole, and Schwarber just got hot. 
Schwarber wasn't doing anything prior to this series. And that's the problem when you face the Phillies. They all just take turns getting hot, and it's really tough to limit them. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.